All right. Great evening. Great evening. Great evening. This is Minister Harrell here with uh, Minister Nicholas uh, Fajay with the Millennial Minute. Tonight, we're going to discuss a very controversial topic. I don't really expect to get uh, too many thumbs up or too many likes, but this is what the Millennial Minute is. Reporting today's news and millennial issues live and in full effect. Yeah. So today's topic, what we're going to discuss is church hurt. (laughs) Church hurt. Yeah. Church hurt. It almost reminds you of those commercials that you hear late at night. Ever had a pastor not allow you to operate your spiritual gifts? (laughs) Ever had a church mother say something rude about your child? Ever had someone do something offensive enough for you to leave a church? Call 1-800-MILLENNIAL-MINUTE <laughs> for your free consultation. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. Today's subject is about church hurt. Mm. One, of the, one of the few things that, that many people don't discuss, one of the few things that many people don't talk about. Matter of fact, it's often an issue that's swept under the rug. A lot of us don't look at how the toxicity... Uh, within certain church cultures has led to not only a decline in membership number wise, but it's also led to a decline of the presence of God being amongst certain foolishness and certain, um, certain houses, certain places. uh, Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think about a lot of times are the people I let's, let's really just jump into it. One of the main reasons why I've seen church hurt, really go forward in the in the in the body is because of the spirit of offense. So in this generation, and I'm not just talking about the millennial the millennials, I'm talking about this dispensation of time, this this era in the time period, we find so many people that are just easily offended. Like nobody has tough skin anymore. Like we sit back and we're just talking about general things that's going on and it may not even be about the individual or their person, but because they see through the lens of offense and once they look through it and they hear it, the first thing comes up, there's a wall, there's a barrier that's pushed up, pushed up and they say, no, I'm rejecting that because now you talking about me. But in reality, I'll be talking about something completely different. So I'm glad you brought that up. My question is, is it spiritual offense or is it natural offense? Oh, oh, because it sounds like if someone preaches a word and oh, they're talking about me, it sounds like there's something within their spirit that's convicted behind what's being said, not something that was naturally done as somebody bumping into somebody or stepping on their feet or pushing past them without any regard for them being there. So is the offense solely based off of a spiritual nature or do you really believe it's a natural offense that causes people to leave? Um, I think it's, it's because of, it's because generally it's because of a spiritual offense, not necessarily. Now, let me just say this. It's a spiritual offense because the person is offended and they, they don't realize that what it is, is it's really correction sometimes. I'm not saying every time somebody says something over the pulpit, which is going to sound controversial, mm-hmm. is just the word of God coming right at that moment. Sometimes it's just a person because we have to filter the word through the person and their understanding and their intellect in order to deliver that message. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the person's natural behaviors and attributes 
that when it is conveyed from the pulpit, that they take it spiritually. And sometimes it's just a, a manifestation of them being upset about you're telling me that I have to change my habits or my lifestyle. And now because you're trying to seem like you're trying to correct me, I can't accept it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's another thing. In this generation of the church, I'll say that. In this generation of the church, why is it so difficult for people to, to I would say, I don't want to use the word submit, but I would say this. Why is it so hard for people to understand how to work under the tutelage of someone else? Well, I'll be honest with you. Part of that is most people aren't submitted to God. So if, if we're going to be frank about it and call a spade a spade, there, there's people who have inconsistencies with their relationship with God, no different than how they have inconsistencies with their relationships with people. You know that, for example, there's people who breathe down your neck, beat down your door and blow up your phone when they need something from you. And then once they get it from you, you don't hear anything from them until it's the next incident that they need assistance with. A lot of people treat God the same way. So how could you really expect? Even the Bible says that how do you love God who you don't see, but you don't love your brother who you do see? How do you expect people to be submitted to God and they can't even be submitted or consistent with their relationships with people? Man, man, I I was just actually my pastor just said that today doing a sermon, exact same scripture. And it's just it's just interesting to me because. People are getting offended. Let's just let's just throw this out. But can here. I touch on this before we move on? Because you, you said some very valid points. And what you said is with the scripture and the word of God that's taught over the pulpit. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, a lot of times, like what you said, sometimes it's not the word of God. Sometimes it's a pastor being in their flesh. Sometimes it's an elder being in their flesh. I'll give you a perfect example and I'll speak to myself. I'm not going to state the ministry that I was a part of when this happened. But I remember I made a post on Facebook about needing to change and needing to grow. And because there was a certain offense amongst the individual that I was in leadership under, uh, he took it as if I was stating that it had to do with the church. Yeah. What he didn't realize was I was realizing I needed to change my jobs because an opportunity that I should have gotten, I had an AVP within that department tell me that they didn't want me to come to that department in spite of the fact that the manager who I was going to report to picked me out of the 16 candidates for the job. Mm. I realized at that point that I'm like, okay, maybe this is my sign that it's time for me. And it had a picture of a fish fitting into a bowl. He took that because he had an issue with me and offense for whatever reason and never came to me about it. And he preached about it over the pulpit looked at me and his wife and stuff was laughing during the sermon. Now, my thing is this. If you had an issue with me, you should have talked to me about what your issue was or what the um, or what you felt like the post was saying, because I'm blindsided by something that you say over the pulpit and had no idea that what I'm discussing on Facebook about something that's going on in my job is offensive, is offended you based off of something that you're offended by that you haven't spoken to me about. So I've seen pastors do that and talk about people in their congregation and talk about their business over the pulpit. So to me, church hurt isn't always because 
of scripture producing correction sometimes has to do with fleshly people who are in powerful positions and exert and use authority for the wrong reason in the wrong way. All right, before we even turn another corner, because I, I see this conversation is about to blow up. So one of the other things that I was thinking of, and I wasn't church heard. I do want to let y'all know I, I could brush off the offense, but I, I but I can just imagine for a babe in Christ or someone who was new to the faith that that would be offensive enough to make somebody leave. But but you're fulfilling scripture by doing that because if you become the mature, you shouldn't be easily offended. That's true. That's what the mature is. However, you're correct. If somebody was a babe, though, they have to be careful not to offend the babes in Christ. Those are the those are the people they got to be careful of. And it's interesting because. So can I ask you? Go ahead. Is that witchcraft over the pulpit? Because that to me that's a form of manipulation. If God gave you the sacred desk to declare His word, why are you spilling out stuff from your heart about how you feel about other people? If your brother offends you, offends you, go to him. Didn't say publicly tell everybody. It didn't. Um, but then also the other thing, too, to pay attention to, if, well, that's in a scenario. Well, this is a different scenario. If it is multiple people in the body or in the house that has the same or similar issues and you bring it up because now you just need to address it, that's just correction. But when it's like, like you were saying in that type of scenario, when it's maybe one or two people in the entire church mm-hmm. and then a person wants to come up and preach or kind of declare something that's going on and saying it is God that I got you. I understand exactly what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. That is, that is definitely manipulative, which is of witchcraft. Absolutely. So, but the thing that I was, that the, I was point that I was thinking of was it's interesting because people don't realize offense actually works for your good sometimes. Yeah, go on. So I'm with you. When whenever there's a situation that's going on, offense rises up because it's the first thing and it's the loudest thing that hits. Remember the scenario of when you throw a rock in a pack of dogs or a pack of wolves, the one that hollers is the one that got hit, correct? That's correct. So whenever it's offense, it's the exact same scenario. It could be something that's random that's out there. And then it could be in a group of people that you have no arms, no qualms with, no issues with. And then they turn around, you you state whatever it is, and then they get offended by what was said. Then I just stand in the stance of Jesus when he says, you know what? It's not what I said that's offended you, but it's something that has been planted on the inside that needs to be uprooted. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the things that we have to be very cautious of is that is this truly offense? Is this truly this and that? And I kind of want to like kind of put a pin on that one and just go ahead and move on to the next part of of, of dealing with church hurt because there are a lot of people that are actually dealing with church hurt even now during the, during the fact that in Texas, of course, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We're just going to leave that there. We're not even going to go down that, no. that whole rabbit hole because it's going to be a whole different conversation. But um, you think there's a difference though? Go ahead. And, and, and I had to think about this because we're in the Dallas Fort Worth metro area. Mm-hmm. But I think about church hurt when you when you're at a mega church. Like for example, when I was at the Potter's House main campus, mm-hmm. a lot of people had church hurt because they felt like their name wasn't called for stuff that they did. They weren't going to get a chance to preach in the church. They weren't getting pats on the back when they were serving in ministry. But the thing is, if you're doing the work for God, then it doesn't matter if man 
pat you on the back or not. But there were a lot of people who left the church because they felt like they weren't being recognized enough because of the notoriety and the fame that the church has. Now, that's one type of church hurt I've seen at the mega church level. But is that really church hurt? The person took offense and they left. But again, us understanding, us understanding the faith, us being servants of the gospel. Is that really church hurt, though? Not in my opinion, but when it's been expressed to me, the person felt it was. And I, I can't I can't tell them that they're wrong for feeling the way that they feel. But what they felt like was because they felt like they were one fish in an entire aquarium that they were mad that nobody really threw any fish food to them. That's really and that was the reason why they left. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've seen in smaller towns and smaller cities and smaller communities, the church hurts that's come to people because the people in the community knowing the person's background or knowing who their parents are or knowing about their family and bringing stuff from outside into the church house. Now that, now that right there, we're going to go right on that tangent. Okay. Because what that sounds like is if people know your background, people know your issues or people know like where you grew up or whatever, Mm -hmm. I got a scripture right for that too, that you, you get respect everywhere, but it's your home, but in home, you get respect everywhere else. You get acknowledgement, everything else. But um, what it sounds like is more than ever is it's not necessarily um, one thing or another. It's really condemnation. The people see that where the person is, they know their background. So now that I know your background, be like the same uh, scripture when uh, Jesus was trying to come to come to them and try to tell them the word, tell them the gospel. It's like, isn't this Jesus, Joseph and Mary's son? They were trying to continue to put him in a box of something that he'd been freed from. But then they was trying to continue to condemn him to whatever thought process that they had him to or limit them to whatever else. It'd be like saying like this. I know that you have Friday Night Fire. Mm -hmm. I know that you have a strong teaching gift. I know you have a strong uh, anointing to break yokes and things of that sort. I know that you. And then what would it be like if I know that you have this much power and I say, but isn't this Harrell from from Austin? Isn't him? Isn't he the same one that, you know. He used to do all the dirt in the past, used to play football and all these other things. Like, if I try to con- con- if I try to make it seem like I'm going to box you into this little little mm-hmm. area, wouldn't that be the same thing? Is that a reason to be hurt? But see, to me, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Because one of the biggest things is it deals with the thing of the flesh. Because what it is, is it's the natural trying to come against the spiritual it's the natural image of how people see you trying to dilute or pollute the spiritual assignment. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that we have to be mindful of, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was the exact scripture that was on my mind was like, is this not Joseph's son? We understand that when Jesus is baptized, we understand that the Holy Spirit comes. We understand that heaven gives him assignment. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. We understand now at this point, heaven has declared him to be the Christos. Yeah. The anointed one, the Messiah, yeah. the savior of the people. But yet indeed, we have people in the church. Well, is this Joseph's son? Yeah. How could he be who Isaiah talked about? This is Joseph's son. This is this the carpenter. This is a carpenter's carpenter son. And not only that, he's from a poor area. He's from Galilee. He's not even from North Richland Hills. He's, nah. not, he's not from Highland Park. Nah. He's from Sock. He's from South Dallas. He's from uh, <laughs> from Pleasant Grove. You know, he, he's not from where we expect the yeah. movers and shakers to come from. Yeah. But that goes to show that people can be ignorant to who you are 
because of the natural circumstances that they surround how they see you with. The problem is, is that people should have a spiritual lens with how they see people. It shouldn't be because of where you come from, what high school you went to, what degree you got, or anything else. We've taken a natural approach and tried to apply it to spiritual concepts, and we've damaged people spiritually within church with doing that. So, man, I'm excited about this topic. <laughs> I am, and I, I got a whole nother kicker, too. I'm just waiting for you to drop a context clue, and I'm getting ready to hit the gas. All right, all right. So I'm, all right. I'm waiting on we, you. We, we, still, we still revving it. So, the thing that um, I'm thinking about, too, is now some of the other things that cause people to be hurt. I would say this. For one point in time, I was hurt from the church, and I was about 18, 18, 19 years. Well, I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And what hurt me was was the fact that I had been a part of a ministry pretty much my entire life. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was in high school, I helped a, a whole organization in uh, the North Texas area to really grow. You know, I was a part of that team to really help the whole area really grow. Mm-hmm. And then they said, by the time we graduated that we would have to step outside of ministry, of youth ministry, for at least a year to, to provide the separation from, you know, high school to college. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my adult mindset, it makes perfect sense. But from my child mindset, I was highly upset and frustrated to say, I helped build this thing. I helped put a part, be a part of this thing. And yet you're telling me that the very essence of the very... Uh, abilities that I have now, I have to put them on hold. I have to stop what I'm doing and I can't even be a part of what I know to do. I understand. And so when, when that felt like it felt like I was being stripped of something, but I didn't realize the real validity or the importance of it at the time. And so I dealt with that and it literally caused me uh, to leave that, that denomination at the time. It caused me to say, well, if that's the case, then I'll need y'all. I don't need this. I don't need that. And that's the that's the interesting thing, because now I realize what really was what it was. The church hurt was not necessarily just the situation, but it was really my pride. Mm. That's what really it was, because when I think about it, why couldn't I have continued just to go to church and establish myself as an adult and then be an adult understanding youth ministry as a young adult. Yeah. But instead, I was saying, no, I did this. I did that. I was a part of. I was. And the one thing that's so interesting is help versus pride is, is so funny because pride literally always tries to puff up themselves and they always use the I in pride. Mm-hmm. And I can almost go down a whole line because that's going to be a whole nother, a whole nother thing. But the thing was, instead of thinking about how can I help the ministry and help the cause, help the people, I was so focused on what I did and what I did not like and what I did not want. And because I didn't want something, I didn't like something because it didn't benefit me at that moment in time, I got offended. That's okay. And I took on church hurt because of it. That's So my question is, how many times have we possibly done something that it wasn't the church that hurt us, but it was ourselves and our mindset. Oh, yeah, that, that is a very good question. Because sometimes self-imposed, self-sabotage, you're blind to when you do it to yourself, but you make other people the scapegoat for it happening within your life. 
Me, for example, the reason why I was church hurt um, was a little bit different than yours. Mm-hmm. I was church hurt because it wasn't until I got away in, uh, from from my church that I attended in high school and went to college that I learned how the doctrine that I had been taught was deficient. Oh, like it, it was beyond deficient. It was almost pitiful, to be honest with you. Oh, you know, to the point to where. I never heard sermons about the Holy Spirit. I never heard sermons about Pentecost. I just thought baptizing, getting baptized in water was enough. I never knew that there was a requirement or that it would be. Um, yeah, I see the look on your face um, to, to, to get baptized with the Holy Spirit and to have an impartation of the Holy Spirit. And fi- None of that was taught growing up. So when I got exposed to doctrine that taught about the Holy Spirit, when I got exposed to what baptism really was, when I got exposed to you didn't have to have communion on first Sunday because it was first Sunday, I was like, man, I was mad because it was like I've spent the last 10 plus years of my life really learning pitiful pieces of theology, like just plain and simple. It, it, it was shocking to me that after I got with the right people, I learned more in a year and a half than what I did for the whole 10 years I had been in the, as a Baptist. And I'll say it as a Baptist. I understand. Not saying that all Baptist church don't teach doctrine that is correct. But from what I learned, I didn't learn anything sufficient. I learned enough of what salvation was. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I heard scriptures taught. And and the sad part was some of what I learned was so mechanical, I could finish sermons that were being preached and knew what was coming next. It had become a point to where it became ritualistic, you know, to the point to where this is what I thought church was supposed to be. And then when I get introduced to the Holy Spirit and I get introduced to real baptism, I understand what communion actually is. I, I even, even when uh, growing up, I was always taught, well, you know, it's only men that can operate in ministry that, you know, God never called women to do anything in ministry. But then the issue I had is, as I began to read on my own, when Pentecost happened and there was 120 with Peter in the upper room, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was up there. And there was also women. It says it was 120 with Mary, the mother of Jesus and women. And what happened was, was that the Holy Spirit came in like a loud rushing wind and it filled everybody. It said it sat on everybody. It divided itself and it filled everybody, the Holy Spirit. And then they began to speak in cloven tongues like fire and each nation heard. But the thing that blew my mind was I had to think back to the Old Testament because in my mind, the holies of holies was the place where the presence of God was, and only Aaron during Old Testament times was able to go in there as being the high priest to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. Yeah. If God never intended women to be endowed with the Spirit of God, why were they let into the upper room where the Spirit of God came in the same way Aaron came in there in the tabernacle? Why? And why is it taught that women can't be used when clearly they got the Holy Spirit the exact same way? Yeah. That 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 um that Jesus dispersed the Holy Spirit through them with, and the thing that got me was as I continued to read, I never read that there was gender neutral gifts that were given. I never read that there were certain gifts that were only given to men, mm-hmm. and only certain gifts that were given to women. Now, while we live in a gender neutral going society, that doesn't mean that anything in Scripture supports that attitude. 
We're having something that comes from the world trying to offend or trying to pervert what's spiritual. And people can get hurt by that because you can have a woman that has a gift of helps that can help the church and help do things administratively because that's a gifting that she has or she can be able to prophesy a word. And people say, well, you know what? Read the Old Testament. You'll read about a woman named Holder if you say that the Lord God never gave a word to a woman to prophesy. But we, we've gotten to a point now to where what's, what's become offensive to people is what people have made up and created. Oh, God. God, God, this they created it. Oh man, this this is really like I'm trying to to stay on this 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 pathway, but it's diverging to another one because one of the things that we have to look at is when church hurt comes or people experience church hurt, it's it's multifaceted. Sometimes it's offense, sometimes it's legitimate hurt. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's uh, it's because of doctrine issues. Sometimes it's because of of just how the church traditions, and we already hit on that one. Sometimes it's the traditions of the of the denomination or the or the religiosity of the of the belief system of mm-hmm. that church that causes people to be offended. So I'm sitting there like, if I'll use this example. So um, if let's say this. If you are a person that always went to a just a really conservative type of church where the women had to wear stockings, women could not wear makeup mm-hmm. and things of that sort. And then when a woman does come in that has on that doesn't have on stockings, that does wear makeup, that, you know, does whatever. And she looks different. And then you get offended behind the fact that, oh, no, that's not right. That's not right. And the person that's coming in saying, why are you trying to attack me at the same time? So I'm sitting here like the thing that we have to pay attention to is pay attention to scripture and get a true understanding and a true revelation of scripture. Absolutely. Because a lot of what I'm seeing, especially with church hurt, either A, the person themselves don't understand scripture mm-hmm. or B, the ministry that was trying to talk to the person didn't understand scripture. <laughs> Because if they had understood, it's not about what you, a lot of people say this, come as you are, come as you are. We get that. We get that. It's a natural and a spiritual connotation. We understand that. But at the same token, I'm sitting here like this. If a person coming in, if a woman comes into a, a ministry, she has on pants and a church only allows dresses. I'm sitting here like this. Why would the ministry be offended at the woman coming as she is? And then trying to bring a, a certain level of correction that's not even scriptural. Bro. I told you I was waiting for that context clue. <laughs> now you got yourself in trouble. Come on. Because what I want to talk about is Luke chapter 13 with the woman who came bound up. Oh, okay. Because, see, this is the problem is that many people are looking to the church to, to remedy hurt, to remedy pain. Church doesn't have the ability to do that. Mm. It doesn't. Think about this. As I began to study about Paul and I looked at the Asian minor and I looked at the different churches and stuff like that that were within the region, he preached outside. He preached in stone hedges. He preached in auditoriums that were open. He preached in people's homes. Jesus, he preached and um, sat down with the Beatitudes and taught. 
he, he didn't go into the synagogue. See, there's a difference. We, we, we believe the temple, we believe the church, but what we have to understand was the synagogue was a physical place. That's why I said Jesus taught in the synagogue. But then if you notice, there's different times it says that he taught in the temple. But that's a whole different story right there. I'm going to leave that alone. A lot of people ain't really ready for that type of understanding and knowledge. You, you can't give meat to babies. But what you have to understand is what's so powerful about that is that he was teaching in the synagogue. So he was in a natural place mm -hmm. when he's teaching. And he said that he saw a woman that came in bound up by a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of lameness, mm -hmm. a spirit of Satan. That's what that's what originally what it writes within the Koine Greek uh, Bible. It said that this spirit of infirmity, he said he saw the woman uh, daughter of Abraham and what, what blew my mind is this it's in the synagogue so we understand that the church had never been able to heal this woman from, from the affliction that she's had what the Bible says of 10 and 8 years 18 years total what blew my mind as I continued to delve into this text was that it says that when Jesus saw her but when I, when I read it within the Greek and I read the original text of it it said that Jesus saw her naturally and Jesus saw her spiritually he saw her naturally. He saw her spiritually. But it said how she was bound. It said she was bound not only in her earthly body, but she was more so tied up spiritually and emotionally. Mm. What, what we have to understand is it takes, the, it takes the power of God. It takes the spirit, the Holy Spirit to unbind what's spiritually tied up, what's emotionally tied up, mm. and to release people physically. That's why I, I preach so much about Mark chapter 6, verse 13. It said that when the disciples went out preaching the word of God, it said that they cast out demons. And it said and then they would put oil on people and the sick would be healed. The problem is that the church ain't pushing no demons out. We're preaching a good word to fill the collection plate. We're, we're, we're preaching to get people to come and to buy books and want to go to book signings and want to follow you on Instagram and Facebook. But we're having people who are going to the synagogue for 10 and 8 years and aren't coming out better than how they should when they have an encounter with God. We're having people who are having generations of people who are being hurt by traditions and false teachings for 10 and 8 years. In our society, 10 and 8 years is 18. That means you become a full-fledged adult. So you think of people who have been oppressed for 18 plus years, oppressed by doctrine that God did not orchestrate or say within the church. Mm. Well, some of our biggest hurt is because we've been oppressed for so long that that's all we know how to do. And what we do is we tell our children, well, this is what granddaddy did. So they go through the same thing. We build generational bondage. And what's sad to say is, the house of God has not been of relief to many of our people because it took Jesus. It didn't take the preacher. It didn't take the elder. It took Jesus to heal this woman. He saw her. He saw her physically. He saw her spiritually. And he said to her, it said that he called her forward. And he said, whenever he put his hands in her hands, see, we serve a God that can touch you where you're hurt. A God that can touch you when you're bound up. Not like church folk. Oh, child, that child be fornicating. Oh, she's fast. Oh, Jesus, like a mama. I remember when the mama had her when she was 19 years old. Didn't even go back to school to finish her degree. Oh, yeah, I remember her daddy. Her daddy was on that stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember he used to be a big old hefty man. Now look at him. He ain't nothing but skin and bones. 
church folk, mm. pastor, oh yeah, you know, whew, yeah, sister so-and-so, heard you got my plate ready. Folk in the church. It, it, it was, it's, it's about spiritual presence. Now, I'm not saying that this is every church culture because there is no such thing as absolution in a world that has nothing that is finite or set in stone. So I'm not saying by any means that this is the culture of every church. But what we can say is it's a culture that's become prevalent because it's not like what you said, one or two churches that this is being discussed in. But this is something that has come all across the board. It is something that has become a stronghold. It has become something that has put people in captivity and has held people in bondage. And this woman who was supposed to be going to the synagogue for 10 and 8 years could not get free. And when Jesus puts his hands in her hands, the Bible tells us in the original scrolls, it says that he tells her that she's loosed. But before she does, he commands the unclean spirit to come out of her. Mm. He commands that that spirit of infirmity, that spirit of lameness. But see, this is what this is what really blows my mind. Are you really ready for this? Mm. You really ready for this? Mm. I know you are, but I hope don't don't tell anybody who's ever going to listen to this podcast. We don't need y'all to be messy. We don't need y'all to tell people the truth. We don't need y'all to get this out about how people can get healed. We don't need that. Because it'll mess up everybody else's church. Yeah, yeah. It'll mess up the money at people's churches. And, you know, you didn't send in twenty nine ninety five to get oil in the prayer cards from us. So don't don't, don't tell nobody this. Nah, you didn't send $365. Yeah, yeah. You got to have a seed for each day of the year. You didn't send that in yet. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to say. All right? Okay. So when it says that he speaks to the spirit and tells the spirit to go and to loose itself from the woman. The word that's used in Greek is it says that it that she became erected. No, no, don't be nasty. I'm not talking about anything like that or blue pills. No. No. Because you know church folk will run with stuff. Oh my gosh, he's talking about ED. No, I'm not. No. No. I'm talking about erection, the fact that the woman could stand up straight. Yeah. But this is the part that y'all gotta miss, that y'all miss about this text. The word erection that's used in Greek had to do with building up the spirit man. It had nothing to do with a physical body. Mm. When he put his hands in her hands, he literally grabbed into her spirit and he pulled the infirmity out. And when the infirmity came out, her spirit that was bound up and bent over was able to stand up straight and allowed her natural body to be able to do so. So imagine I'm sitting here as I'm listening. I'm just like, imagine what could happen if... The church or I would say the traditions of of certain churches or certain um, certain believers would be shifted to understand that Jesus comes in to take away the bondage and the infirmity, the iniquity, which he died for. We should all know this. This is basic stuff in the faith. But at the same token, some of us don't put those two things in correlation together, meaning that when Jesus has come. That means that Jesus literally comes in to take away those sicknesses, diseases, sin, shame, iniquities. All those were buried upon the cross. He that was without sin, sin became, became sin. And he took upon the, that upon the cross so they could be crucified so that you can be free from the bondage of sin. And that's why a lot of people miss is that even when he was on the cross, he was stripped naked. 
So that way you wouldn't have no shame because he bore it all. He he didn't get up there with no robe on and no cassock and no 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 chain with no cross hanging from it. They tuck in the front pocket. Wasn't none of that. Mm-hmm. He was stripped naked. And he was beat to the point to where he wasn't even recognizable. So that way when you come with an image that's broken, drenched in sin, smelling like Boone's Farm and, and menthol cigarettes. <laughs> no, 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 no yeah, that's, real. that's okay. That's real. Because I, I was one of them before I really got saved. I, I, I came to church high a few times. I came to church hungover. So I, I'm, not, I'm not exempt from this at all. My mom was just so happy. I just decided to go to church. Came jacked up, but I didn't leave under the influence of THC. By the time uh, I left, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I had a whole different mindset from that point. But what we had to understand, what was so profound about what you said, was that bondage, that bondage, that bondage, that bondage. The the church is a spiritual place. The church is not the same thing as the synagogue. Mm. But a lot of people are trying to treat the church as if it is the synagogue. That's the reason why when you read in Mark chapter 1, same principle. Jesus was teaching in the temple, right? Right. And here comes a man. Hey, hey. You are. You're Jesus. You're the son of the most high God. You you are the holy one of God. Have you come to destroy us before our time? He tells the demon to shut up. Tells the demon to shut up. So that tells you. Everybody was in the synagogue. They were in the physical building of what should be the church. And didn't even know that the presence of God was there. But this is an environment that we expect people to get healed in. Mm. This is an environment that we expect mm. for people to become unshackled in. This is an environment where you expect the brokenhearted. He preached. He opened up blind eyes. He preached liberty. He bound up the brokenhearted. This is the same environment, the synagogue. Book of Acts tells you that God does not dwell in houses that were made by the hands of men. Yeah. But we're looking for the church. The synagogue to be the place of restoration. No, no, no. It's when the presence of Jesus, when the power of the Holy Spirit is present, is where truly church hurt can be healed and remedied. We've gotten to a point in the custom that we're looking for pastors and ministers and seeds and prophetic words to do it. No, 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 no. Those are tools to help you get to where there's water so you never thirst. It's tools to help you get to where you can eat a bread to where you would never hunger again. But what we have gotten, one of the main essences of church hurt is we are looking for man to do for us only what God can do. I really hope y'all heard all of that. If y'all did not catch all of that, please rewind it and listen to that again because that is straight ministry right there. Um, Because... I don't even think I can bring up another question about something dealing with church hurt because you already answered the question with that. Actually, we can. What's up? Actually, we can. We can look at what what we believe the source may be of why people continue to think that their healing is found in their pastor. Is, Is it... Do you believe it's a societal thing do you believe it's something that people are predispositioned to do 
What, what do you think it is? I think it's primarily because, generally speaking, us as human beings, mm-hmm. we're born into this natural realm. Correct. And though we come from the spirit and we see the spirit very easily at a young age, yeah. we become desensitized to the things of the spirit because we are taught the behaviors of nature in the natural realm. Mm-hmm. So it makes us blind and it literally is like, uh, I don't want to sound kind of out there, but it's like literally it's like a skin that's taken over our eyes and that okay. we can't see anymore. Okay. I was taking that from Genesis chapter three. It was like a it was a skin that was placed over our eyes so that we now only see things carnally. We don't see things naturally. And so because when we see things naturally, we look at it as, okay, well, you're supposed to be the example of God in the earth realm, not realizing that we're all supposed to be. But then we say we look towards the men and women of God and say that you were supposed to do this and you were supposed to do that. And the problem is, is that people don't take accountability of their own walk. But I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was, I was saying that to open up this door. Because this is another topic I want to discuss about with church hurt. Why are people taking offense behind actions that people in ministry take that only God has a right to really take offense to? Okay, explain that one. Okay. So your pastor... He goes out, you see him drinking. Okay. He has a glass of wine with dinner with his wife. Oh my gosh, you're supposed to be the pastor. Why are you out here drinking wine? I'm supposed to do that. You're supposed to be the example for me. My thing is, you're hurt behind his actions, but the only person who has a right to really be offended with his actions is God. Right. So why are you hurt behind the actions of somebody else that you're not responsible for. Mm. Mm. I ask that because is, is that a form of pseudo hurt? Is that a form of just looking for something to be angry or upset about? What is it? I would, I would even throw it into the concept of this. To me, that what that sounds like is, is really itching ears. Because we're constantly on the lookout to hear something that's either appeasing or something that will cause us to want to run from one conversation to another. I would say that in a concept like this, when we see somebody that's when we see somebody that's doing something that only God should be the one to get offended by, mm-hmm. it's like almost the person goes into a spirit of gossip in order to just say, hey, you're supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, but at the same time, you're being judgmental of the person. Spirit of gossip. So it's spirit of gossip. And also, I go back to condemnation. You're so quick to try to condemn somebody else mm-hmm. of something, but then the person himself is not taking responsibility of their own walk. Is, is it really more of a plank in, in your, your eye, eye issue? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was I was just curious about that because it's like I always hear people that are so offended. You know, one of the one of the big things is uh, people talk about Pastor Jamal Bryant. You know, I was watching a little segment the other day. They were saying about the things that he had been doing. And my thing is, how do you have time to be in his business? You're not worried about your son being on drugs. You're not worried about the fact that your husband doesn't come home at night. You're not worried about the fact that you've got on plenty of fish and you're in a married relationship. 
You're not worried about you're not worried about the fact that, you know, that you're behind on your bills and you need to come up with a plan because of irresponsible spending. You you don't have time to face the realities of the things that you need to be responsible for, but you have time to be offended because of what Jamal Bryant or what um, other people are who are in ministry have per- certain like one of the biggest things too, you know, fellow big man, big shout out to you. John Gray, people were like, well, you know, he he asked for forgiveness for what went on with he and his wife. And he asked, but my thing is, you're worried about John Gray and his wife, but you're wondering why you can't stay married. This is your fourth marriage and you're on your fifth husband. This is your third marriage. You're on your third wife and you have two girlfriends that she don't know about. It's like you're worried about trying to sweep in front of other people's doors and you're taking offense to things that are going on with them that you're bringing to the church, but you're not worried about you cleaning up at home, which you need to clean up before you come to the church yourself. Well, I mean, I will say this. Uh, there is, this is a reality. There is a different standard for people that do walk this walk. Absolutely. There's a different standard. And, and truth, it's really a double standard because we're expected to be holier than thou all the time. But then when we walk holy, we get called being holier than thou. Then on the flip side, as soon as they see that we're all first a human, seeing that first we're first men and women of God, then they want to condemn us and then put us on as a spectacle to everybody else saying, oh, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. People are so quick to try to tear down things to make themselves feel better instead of building themselves up to understand that they are better. I'm not going to lie, though, with me, as all publicity is good publicity, whether good or bad. And it was because of some of the negative publicity that I heard with people having these little discussions when I'm flipping through channels and stuff like that. It made me check out their ministries. It made me want to hear what they had to say. Because my thing is, if this many people got so much uh, mouth about you, so much church hurt behind your behavior. You obviously said something enough for them to be interested in your ministry. And 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 a couple, like two more things about this. Uh, one, church hurt people that are, are experiencing church hurt, and they start really kind of talking and talking and talking. They have to be very careful of being considered being used of the enemy, because it's the enemy that's the accuser of the brethren. Absolutely, they have to be very careful of it. Diablos, and so. The other part of it is when it's a legitimate hurt, meaning I would say this because we, we kind of haven't addressed this part. And I'm sitting here like this might be a little bit longer today. For well, us. that's fine. Uh, is when it's a legitimate hurt, meaning that they had somebody in leadership that took advantage of them and then caused them to not be able to walk the same way that they would. I'll give you an example. This Hold is. On. Let me think of something. Okay. Is it kind of like they spiritually did them like Mephibosheth? They were left lame because they got dropped? Some people, yes. Okay. For some people, yes. Okay. Uh, actually, that was my two examples. Uh, <laughs> one of them, I was in a ministry, and it's no, no, no qualms to the individual that was our pastor at the time. It was just at that point in time. God was speaking a word to him saying that he needed to go to a different part of the state mm-hmm. and he was supposed to fulfill ministry there. Now, on the flip side, for the people that remained, it was like, what do we do? You're the leader. 
and you just left us. So in essence, it made us feel almost like Mephibosheth when we were literally dropped by something that was someone that was supposed to be taking care of us. Yeah. But here's the blessing behind it. It forced the ones that were able to to stand up and begin to walk. Yeah. But it took Christ to have to heal the maimed Mm -hmm. because some of us were maimed. I was one. Yeah. That I was able to function, but I was hurt. Yeah. And what it brought me to was going to another ministry later on. And this is the second example to where while I was in this ministry, it seemed like the person was talking, saying, I'm going to teach everything that you need to know, help develop you, this and that. I was looking for that type of spiritual leader. That's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed like they had a really good game and it was like everything was going on. But then later on, it came out. And this is not my this is definitely not my pastor now. This is when I was in college and this no, is what I was in. And uh it came out that uh I found out more about the person and their <coughs> and their I would say their iniquities and their issues. Gotcha. And so when I found that out, it made me be like, you were supposed to be developing your people, and the entire time you were developing your people, it was really just a show about you. So why am I here? After that, I dealt with I dealt with that because it felt as though you had us here in order to fulfill your quota instead of actually developing and pushing your people to make them better. So what what in turn actually happened was I ended up leaving. I ended up leaving Texas and I moved away. And what it what it taught me, though, I had to learn from the experience. Mm -hmm. It taught me that I need to hear God from me. And not be looking towards a man or a woman to say, hey, this, this is next. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of God to direct me. That's right. And so as he began to direct me, it led me to the place that I needed to be at. Absolutely. And I was just like, sometimes, so sometimes I'm saying sometimes the hurt is legitimate. But even in the legitimacy of the hurt, it still requires you to have to go after God and seek God. Otherwise, you'll continue to complain you will continue to to uh, to accuse everybody, saying that you accuse every church of being the exact same. You only look from the lens of offense. You only right. look from the lens of hurt. And the problem is, we have to come against the spirit of hurt. We have to come against the spirit of delusion. We have to come against the spirit of offense, because all three of those spirits work in tandem against the people, because it causes their vision to be blurred. So when they should be seeing what's going on, they can't. When they should be hearing, their ears have been turned deaf. When they should be speaking the words and the oracles of God, they're speaking, uh, they're speaking venom the entire time. Absolutely. So when we when we're dealing with this, I'm glad. I'm so glad that you articulated it earlier because that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. uh, It will help the people because they understand it has to come through the Holy Spirit. It has to come through the reading. But what you're saying is absolutely true, and that was a big thing with uh, with our friendship, as you know, with how Friday Night Fire started. Yeah. It had to do with the fact that, you know, I did deal with some offense in ministry, and the gift that I was operating in, it became, um, it got shut off in the ministry, uh, you know, with the specific task I was assigned. And what ended up coming from that was when other people who had um, been a part of my Bible study. I hosted a, at a former job that I had in, um, in Irving. 
it ended up being to where when people were still saying, well, hey, man, we still want to hear what it is that the Lord God has given you. And that's how Friday Night Fire was birthed, was through church hurt. It was birthed through rejection. It was birthed through something legitimate that happened within the four walls of, of the synagogue, I should say. Because I'm not going to say the church because the church is a spiritual spiritual place. Christ's bride is a spiritual church. It's not a physical person walking around with no head. So what I had to learn is, and like what Nick said, it took me being under the subjection of the Holy Spirit and for me to seek what God was trying to show me saying, well, just because it got cut off here, didn't mean that the effectiveness of what I gave you had ceased to be able to operate. Yeah. And from there, you know, Friday Night Fire has happened and we still have been going strong, uh, going on five years in June, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry, six years, because I started that in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that started in uh in June of 2015, back when there was only one person on the line, and it's grown astronomically, should I say. And um even when you and I were doing Friday Night Fire on TMI radio. Yeah. And people in London and all around the world were hearing and calling in and stuff like that in uh, all the different nations of the world. So I, I'm here to say that church hurt can do one of two things. Church hurt can either make you better or church hurt can make you bitter. Yeah. But it depends on what spirit are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the Holy Spirit or are you going to listen to the spirit of offense? Yeah. Yeah, I really just, I'm hoping that by the end of this, which we're we're about to close right now, I'm hoping that by the end of this, that if you are dealing with church hurt or you are dealing with offense, that at this point in time we'll just pray real quick. Absolutely. And um and we'll move on from there. Because healing has to take place. Truth has to be established. In order for truth exposes every lie. That's right. And includes not just the lies around us, but the lies within us. The lies that we tell ourselves and the lies that's been told to us. That's right. So we need truth to be established. In addition to truth, we have to understand that love is what covers a multitude of sins. That's we right. have to understand that if I be offended, let me look at myself first to see if this sawdust, this plank is in my eye. Or if I'm just looking at something that's actually a plank in somebody else's. So, Father, we thank you now for every word that's gone up before you. Lord, we just thank you even now, Lord God, that you are establishing truth in our lives. You're, you're allowing truth to resonate within our spirit and our mind, God. We thank you even now, Lord God, that you are causing us to be able to not be bitter, but to be bold before the throne of grace, to not be hurt, but to understand that you come for the destitute. You come for the brokenhearted. You come for the ones that have a hung down head, God, for you are the lifter up of every hung down head. Lord, we just thank you even now, Lord God, that you are giving clarity to the deluded, to the ones that are not being able to see clearly, God. We thank you even now that you are unstopping ears so they hear more clearly, that they're seeking after your word, for they understand that faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of you. We understand also, God, that you have been with us. Your word says that you will never leave us, nor forsake us, nor our seed begging bread. You also said that you will never leave us, nor forsake us, even until the end of time. So, Lord, we thank you even now that you be with us, be with your people mm -hmm. and that you restore the love, restore the joy, restore the peace. Allow the truth to be made manifest in our lives 
And for this, Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Next week's topic we're going to discuss. I want to give a shout out to my wife. Uh, She gave me a call this morning. I love you, babe. I do appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, for our communities in Austin with the legislation and the bills that you've passed. Uh, Please continue to check her page periodically if you are her friend on Facebook. Uh, She will update you with bills, resolutions, and ordinances that are currently on the floor. Uh, Big shout out to Pastor Patrick Winfield, of course, the Potter's House, Fort Worth. I'm very grateful for my pastor. Uh, Also, a big shout out to another pastor, a friend of mine, uh, Thomas Patterson uh, with Elm Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, You definitely have been a blessing, uh, not only a frat brother, but also a friend in the ministry as well. God bless you. Yeah, and shout out to the Sanctuary of Dallas, to my um, to my pastor, Apostle Kulon Portly, um, and also to uh, Bishop and Apostle Raymond and Irma Portly for this as being the founders of the ministry. So I just thank everybody. I just want to give that quick shout out. We will see y'all next time. This has been the Millennial Minute.